I am the chosen one. Somebody had to do it. Oh, Jesus. If he's the chosen one, we're in more trouble than I thought. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Up in Grand Rapids on WPRR, down in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, amongst other fine affiliates. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel. Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Yes, blanketing planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, coming up, we head back once again. Boy, it's either Georgia or North Carolina. Today, <laughs> it's back to North Carolina, where early voting is now underway for two U.S. House special elections in the Tar Heel State, which will be uh, held on September 10 to fill the two remaining vacancies in the U.S. House after one, the death of a longtime Republican congressman earlier this year in the 3rd Congressional District in North Carolina, and two, the seat left vacant for this entire year after a, a massive Republican absentee ballot election fraud scandal on behalf of the Republican candidate in North Carolina's 9th Congressional District last November. That led the State Board of Elections to refuse to certify the results of that election and to call for a do-over, which will now happen on September 10. But before we even get there today, we will be joined by North Carolina election consultant Dr. Bill Busa, better known as Doc Dog to uh, Daily Coast fans regarding the discovery that he made, his firm made this week, concerning what he describes as political malware discovered at a National Republican Party website regarding the North Carolina special election, which could result, he says, in the purging of North Carolina voters. Bill will be here to explain all of that and how the RNC has responded this week and much more. 
uh, shortly because there's always much more in North Carolina, <laughs> it seems. It sure does seem that way. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hello. Uh, but first, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, I spend a lot of time struggling with even torturing myself over, in fact, uh, I think Desi will uh, concur, uh, over how the hell to cover this presidency. What is the right way to do it, the responsible way to do it, since nobody in the media, corporate or otherwise, at least in this country, has ever had to deal with a president of the United States like the one we have now. And I, I, I got to say, it is hands down, hand, not even close, hands down the most difficult thing I have ever had to do in my life. It's really hard to know how to do this right, to to guess how to do this right. And I don't know that we do it right all the time. So thanks, by the way, to those who make it a little bit easier by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to support our efforts, whether we get it right or not. But this is not meant to be a pitch. This is just really uh, to say, you know, we work really hard to get it right, to cover what needs to be covered to help inform the electorate, because I think that is my job. I think that is the job of all journalists, to inform the electorate, not to get clicks, not to get headlines, not to get even get donations, but it is to inform the electorate. And so, I, you know, knowing how to do that with this uh, guy, with this idiot, knowing what to cover and what to ignore... Uh, is not easy to figure out because some of the dumbest things in the world that I would normally completely ignore from some right wing idiot who said it are much harder to ignore when it is something that is coming from the president of the United States. That alone, at least in a normal world, makes it newsworthy when the president talks about it. But Trump, <laughs> just in a world of his own, uh, figuratively and literally, I think. He is so brain-addled and just making this stuff up as he goes along, and he puts out just so much stuff and nonsense that will never actually become policy, or even if it does, will never actually pass constitutional muster or will be blocked by Congress or by the courts. So it's really difficult to know what is and isn't worth wasting your time on each day, which we try very hard to not do on this program. Yes, I take this responsibility seriously, probably too seriously, but that's another matter maybe for me and my shrink, if I get one, <laughs> which I probably should. Anyway, to, to that end, I haven't mentioned anything about Donald Trump's stupid Greenland thing because it's, frankly, so stupid and everyone else can cover it. And, you know, at least for the last few days, I didn't think there was anything you actually needed to know, anything that I could add to the topic because, frankly, it was just such a joke. And it may still be a joke, but apparently it is not a joke to him, as we are now learning. And what may have started as a joke has resulted in some serious ramifications, it seems to me. Yeah, a bit of an international incident. Indeed. And, you know, not just for U.S. international affairs with our close allies, but I think it suggests something about the presidency itself at this point. All right. I'm sure you all saw the headlines on Tuesday night that all of Twitter was wondering, is this the onion or is this a real headline? It was a real headline. One of them, for example, from New York Times, President Trump said he canceled his meeting with the prime minister of Denmark because she was not interested in selling Greenland. 
Now, so he he canceled this state visit that had been planned, that was underway, that was going to be, I think, in uh, October, if I recall. And now it's off. It's just it's off. Now, I think he did it because uh, Denmark basically said, you know, no, we're not interested in selling Greenland to you. Yeah. So uh, and I think he's afraid to me like, you know, an automatic thing. That's when I saw those headlines. I thought, no, of course, you're not going to buy and sell Greenland. It doesn't work like that anymore. And because they're not interested, I think he's going to he's afraid that he's going to look like an idiot because he made this big deal about buying Greenland. And, and, and he's the great deal maker, after all, as he tells us, although he hasn't shown us any such great deals. But he says he's a great deal maker. And, you know, nobody says no to him. But the prime ministers now of both Denmark and Greenland have both said no. And so now if he goes and meet, meets with them, well, he'll he'll look weak which is the thing that he is most fearful of, looking weak. Also, it should be noted that it turns out that while uh, the president was planning to visit Denmark, President Obama was also planning on visiting the Danes at the end of September. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Well, uh, that that U.S. president is, is much beloved in Denmark still. And I suspect that uh, the inevitable comparisons between the reception that Barack Obama gets versus the reception that Donald Trump will get, well, that would also be a problem for this remarkably thin-skinned, emotional wreck of a president who seems to be quickly devolving day by day and becoming more of a wreck each and every day now, it seems, as more and more bad news seems to continue to pile up for him and for his re-election situation which appears to be more dire for him by the hour. Well, today, and yes, there is a reason why I'm bothering to jump into this story at the moment. President Trump attacked Danish Prime Minister Mette Frederiksen on Wednesday, saying the leader of the longtime U.S. ally had made, quote, nasty comments about his interest in having the United States purchase Greenland. Trump announced on Tuesday night that he was abruptly calling off the planned two-day visit to Copenhagen next month over Fredrickson's refusal to entertain the sale of Greenland, a self-governing country that is part of the Kingdom of Denmark. Washington Post notes that Fredrickson uh, told reporters on Wednesday that she was surprised by Trump's change of plans and lamented the missed opportunity to celebrate the historic alliance between Denmark and the U.S., saying preparations for the visit had been, quote, well underway. Fredrickson called the idea of the sale of Greenland absurd over the weekend after news broke of Trump's interest, a characterization that apparently has offended the president. He said, I thought it was not a nice statement the way she blew me off. Trump told reporters at the House at the White House on Wednesday she shouldn't treat the United States that way. Well, she didn't treat the United States that way, sir. She treated you and your suggestion that Greenland could simply be purchased as absurd. The U.S. did not float this offer. You did, Mr. President. Later, uh, after departing on a trip to Kentucky, Trump took yet another shot at Denmark, writing on Twitter that despite being a, quote, wealthy country, it was falling short of NATO goals for defense spending. So after making enemies of allies, of U.S. allies, longtime U.S. allies like Canada, Mexico, most of the EU, now Trump is specifically targeting Denmark. Denmark, for Christ's sakes. Trump's public comments on Wednesday 
were of a different tone than what he said on Tuesday night on Twitter when he said that Denmark is, quote, a very special country with incredible people. And he thanked Fredrickson for, quote, being so direct. But today he's decided that she is nasty, which is, by the way, is one of the words that he uses to insult women. Just women. He tends to call black people stupid and question their intelligence. And when it comes to women, they're nasty. Uh, That would include uh, other nasty women over the past few years that he has uh, described that way uh, to include uh, Hillary Clinton, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Kamala Harris, San Juan, Puerto Rico's mayor, Carmen Yulín Cruz, Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister Christian Freeland and British royal family member Meghan Markle, who all happen to be women and all happen to be apparently nasty women to hear the president of the United States tell it. So on Wednesday, after his remarks, the Danish prime minister told the uh, 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 public broadcaster DR that I think we have answered very nicely from the Danish side. She said she was not going to get into a war of words. Others, uh, Michael Astrup Jensen, a member of the Danish parliament with the influential center right party, said it's an insult from a close friend and ally. He said uh, Trump's interest in purchasing Greenland took the country by surprise and was initially considered a joke before Danes realized the full extent of, quote, this disaster. Jensen said Danish lawmakers felt misled and appalled by the president. Who, quote, lacks even basic diplomatic skills, he said. There was no word ahead of time about I want to buy Greenland and that's why I'm coming. In fact, It was not on the official agenda at all between the two countries, so it's unclear why Trump would cancel just because Denmark does not want to sell Greenland. There was other things on the agenda. And Greenland was not one of them. So he's throwing a little fit. Denmark's former business minister uh, wrote, For no reason Trump assumes that an autonomous part of our country is for sale, then insultingly cancels uh, uh, cancels a visit that everybody was preparing for. Please show more respect, he added. Another lawmaker called the abrupt cancellation an insult to the royal house because Trump had planned to dine with Denmark's queen before meeting in Copenhagen with Danish political leaders. Copenhagen, I think is how you say it. Other lawmakers cited by Danish media outlets questioned if the president was even still welcome in the country at this point. Uh, the former foreign minister said, understandably, people are angry. We should not let Trump impact Danish-U.S. relations in a negative way. We've been close allies for decades. Yes, in fact, we have. Denmark actively supported the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq beginning in 2003 when even France and Germany refused to do so. They sacrificed 43 troops in Afghanistan fighting side by side with the U.S. and NATO in response to the 9-11 attacks on the U.S. That's a lot of people to lose fighting, uh, you know, by our side from a country with a population of about five and a half million people. That's about the size of Wisconsin. Denmark has also closely collaborated with the U.S. in the Arctic, which has been uh, a growing focus with global warming causing radical changes there. 
And back here at home, of course, it's not going over any better with lawmakers either. Rep. uh, Mike Quigley of Illinois, Democrat, wrote on Twitter, it doesn't take a member of the Intelligence Committee to know that canceling meetings with our foreign allies over the momentary whims of the president is absurd. We can't keep making foreign policy decisions based on the president's fantasy world. But I would argue that like uh, frogs boiling, as they say, Donald Trump seems to be getting more and more unbalanced, more and more erratic and unpredictable. And this is only going to be increasing dangerously so as we move toward next year's elections and as the news gets worse and worse for him in various ways. From poll numbers, you know, he's reportedly freaking out that Fox News found that he is being beaten nationally, at least in the polls, by all the current Democratic frontrunners, Biden, Sanders, Warren, Kamala Harris. They're all beating him handily, nationally. Little reminder, we don't have national elections. We have state-by-state elections. But that's driving him crazy. The poll numbers, the bad economic numbers, which continue to come in uh, for him. The CBO has just uh, found that the deficit is going to be even higher than it had been ex- than had been previously expected, thanks to Donald Trump's tax cuts. And so, you know, oh, and then, uh, you know, Democrats are officially moving forward with an impeachment investigation. So that may lie ahead as well. But I mention all of this because he has been so nuts for so long that it is hard to notice when things are getting ramped up. And I believe they're getting ramped up. I believe he's getting more and more nuts by the day. Dangerously so. The husband of Kellyanne Conway, Trump's senior advisor. Well, he seems to agree. He tweeted today. This is George Conway. So he writes. So, Mr. Mr. Vice President, members of the cabinet, members of Congress, what's it going to take for you all to acknowledge what you and we all know, that the president of the United States is mentally unstable and unfit to serve? This will be the verdict of history, he writes. Why not get ahead of the curve? You can see see where he's headed. Why allow him to him to take you with him? The world, he says, is laughing at Trump and laughing at us for tolerating him. None more than the likes of Putin and other autocrats. Why not stand up for the country and speak the truth? That is George Conway, the husband of Kellyanne Conway today on Twitter, calling on the vice president and the cabinet and members of Congress to essentially invoke the 25th Amendment to remove this guy before he gets even madder. I think that's kind of an incredible thing, an incredible moment. And I don't think that, uh, you know, sometimes, as I say, it is hard to know what to cover, what to laugh off, what to ignore. I'm not sure we ought to ignore this guy's mental state anymore. Maybe that's just me. Well, it's not just me. It's apparently me and Kellyanne Conway's husband. So I thought I would mention it. Quick break, and we're back with more Bradcast. And Bill Busa is coming up in a little bit from North Carolina. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. (laughs) 
What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. Yeah. Someone is. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, I, so I mentioned at the top of the show how uh, difficult it is to figure out what to cover every day, and I had one of those dilemmas yesterday uh, on our previous Bradcast where we covered just a whole... Swath one after another, I think five total of uh, white American male citizen right wingers who have been arrested in just the past few days in just over the past week making all kinds of threats. And we know they're right wingers because they were, you know, threatening immigrants. They were threatening black people. They were uh, supporting Donald Trump, Jewish people, etc. And I was like, should I spend this kind of time focusing on these people? Well, today I actually feel better about spending that kind of time because this seems clear to be a very serious epidemic. CNN is reporting there have been 27 arrests since the El Paso shooting Uh, where you had a guy uh, targeting Mexicans uh, using the language that Donald Trump used about an invasion at our border to kill 22 people at a Walmart. Well, so I went through all of those people yesterday and I noted that it's hard to keep them all straight. Have I already seen a story on this guy? No, this is a whole new guy saying very similar things. Well, I went through about five of them yesterday, and then I got off the air and people started sending me more. Here's just one or two federal officials arrested a man in Washington state on suspicion of plotting a mass shooting targeting Hispanic people in Florida. According to court documents revealed this week, a 35 year old Maryland resident wanted to kill as many Hispanic people as he could in Miami and elsewhere. According to the FBI agent's affidavit, the man made his threats in a long series of Facebook messages packed with racial and ethnic slurs, praise for Adolf Hitler, threats of sexual violence and genocide. Excerpts of the messages show that he allegedly threatened to rape and murder the unnamed individual to whom he was sending these messages on Facebook, along with the person's family, before targeting, quote, all Hispanics and other ethnic groups. He heaped praise on the Trump administration for supporting what he called a, quote, race war. He wrote, quote, I thank God every day President Donald John Trump is president. Another man, a 38 year old, was also arrested last week for allegedly plotting to open fire in an unspecified Memphis church before he was going to kill himself. Agents were tipped off by a friend of his in Alabama who said the suspect had been talking about, quote, shooting a church up and slitting a pastor's throat with a knife. Three other men were arrested across the country over the weekend, according to Huffington Post, uh, HuffPo, I'm sorry, uh, for making similar threats of mass violence. Two of them I had, in fact, covered on our previous broadcast. One I apparently missed. It was a, uh, a 25-year-old man in Florida who told his girlfriend, quote, a good hundred kills would be nice. 
And another man, a 19-year-old man, uh, was charged with threatening to kill people inside a Chicago abortion clinic in a planned August 23 attack. So in all, I said uh, CNN noted there had been 27 arrests since El Paso of right-wingers threatening mass shootings across the country, mostly targeting Hispanics and immigrants and Jewish people and African Americans and LGBTQ people and, yes, Planned Parenthood facilities. This is an epidemic. I think I made the right choice. In, in covering that on yesterday's show. This is not just because, you know, these, I called it yesterday, the dog that didn't bark. These shootings that do not happen disappear very quickly if we hear about them at all. But each one of these arrests could, you know, represent 10, 15, 20 or more people who have not been killed because these arrests have been made. Well, they're not just the people who have not been killed, but I think there's also a scary extra corollary to this in that, Sure, if we don't hear, if the mass shooting doesn't happen, thank God those people are still alive and we don't hear about it that much except just now. And that says to me that there are probably many, many, many more that are still lurking in the shadows and posting online that we haven't heard about. So the public is aware their family members, their friends are actually speaking up. So, yes. Be careful. Say something if you see some kind of uh, information like this that that the law enforcement should know. And it also underscores the necessity of doing something about this epidemic in this country when it comes to guns and firearms and at least holding a vote in the U.S. Senate about it. But we've got so many goddamn cowardly Republicans and a president in the White House that we may not even get a vote on that in the U.S. Senate, even with this epidemic. How many more are going to have to die? I'm afraid we probably will find out. But the people in North Carolina finally have a chance coming up to begin at least doing something about all of this in two separate special elections for the U.S. House on September 10. But guess what? Republicans are already screwing that up at least for voters in North Carolina, which may uh, result in voters being purged from the rolls. The man who discovered those dirty deeds joins us next from North Carolina on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. If it's dirty deeds, we must be talking about North Carolina, right? Well, we are. Early voting starts today in North Carolina in two important U.S. House special elections to fill the two current vacancies in the U.S. House. Both districts were previously filled by Republicans. One in North Carolina's third congressional district became vacant following the death of longtime Republican Congressman Walter Jones. The other in North Carolina's ninth congressional district, speaking of dirty deeds, 
has been vacant since the GOP absentee ballot election fraud scandal in last November's race where the Republican candidate, a preacher by the name of Mark Harris, was caught having hired a known absentee ballot fraudster who is now, along with six others, indicted on fraud charges that ended up leading the North Carolina State Board of Elections to vote against certifying the results of that race last year where Harris reportedly barely edged out the Democratic candidate Dan McCready in what had long been a Republican-held congressional district in the very gerrymandered state. By the way, Mark Harris himself has yet to be indicted. I'm not sure why that is. In any event, Dan McCready, the Democrat, is running again, and the Republicans have selected a controversial state senator as their nominee for the election. Both special elections in NC3 and 9 will take place on September 10, but early voting is underway as of today. And what appear to be new dirty tricks of a sort anyway, as my uh, guest will describe them, uh, he has written about them as political malware, also now seems to be underway in the North Carolina races via a National Republican Party website at the address vote.gop. But don't go there. That address uh, is, is the basis of some disturbing discoveries made by Bill Busa this week. Uh, and I think you may not want to visit that site at all, frankly. This could be the first sign that we have seen of the inevitable dirty tricks that I believe we will be seeing big time between now and the 2020 election. Here to explain what his organization discovered, how the RNC responded very quickly thereafter this week, and also to get us all caught up on just a few of the latest election-related messes in the great swing state of North Carolina is Dr. Bill Busa. He is better known as Doc Dog to avid readers of the progressive Daily Coast website, where we also post the broadcast every day. But uh, he is also a North Carolina-focused campaign consultant and founder of EQV Analytics, which uses the tagline, Data Science Turning Carolina Blue. He's also the founder of ncgovote.org's RegWatch system, which helps voters know when their registration in North Carolina has been changed or has been purged. I'd love to see that program go uh, nationwide in all 50 states. And, of course, Bill is a 20-year veteran technology consultant, which I believe also plays into his discovery this week. Bill Busa, welcome back to the broadcast, amigo. Thanks, Brad. Great to be here. Let me uh, start with the discovery, as I note, that you made and published this week at EQV Analytics regarding not one, but two really disturbing problems with the National Republican Party's vote.gop website. Now, the first part of this issue regards, as I said, incredibly enough, after the GOP absentee ballot election fraud scandal last year, uh, last November in NC9, uh, this regards a problem with the vote.gop page that is supposed to help North Carolina voters apply for and obtain an absentee ballot in the uh, NC9 and N uh, NC3 races, uh, correct? 
That's correct. Actually, it's, it's national. It uh, is supposed to be helping uh, voters across the nation in all 50 states apply for both voter registration and for absentee ballots. But without uh, getting too weedy here, if that's even possible, what you found regarding their North Carolina setup to help absentee voters there is is kind of troubling. Uh, so ex- please explain. What, what did you find in their system that is supposed to help voters apply for an absentee ballot in North Carolina? Right. So uh, vote.gop is not a new site. It's, uh, it was created back in uh, September of 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've known about it for a long time, but never really pushed the button. So we happened to take it out for a test drive uh, the other day, uh, actually last weekend. And uh, we went to the part of the website that uh, purports to help people apply for absentee ballots. Mm -hmm. When we did, we entered some test data using a a fictional voter making this application. And what we discovered when we got back the the PDF version of the uh, form of the the absentee ballot request form that the the website sends back to you after you type in your data, Mm -hmm. what we discovered was that there was apparently an error, I should say a fault, in the uh, in the website's uh, software mm-hmm. that caused it to change the voter's mailing address when filling out this form. That's a big problem because in North Carolina, whenever you submit an absentee by mail ballot request, mm-hmm. if any of your information that you supply on that request form has changed from your voter registration information, then the uh, State Board of Elections will treat that new information as a voter registration update and will update your registration with the new information. Mm -hmm. In this case, because the website was changing the voter's mailing address, the voter would then miss, not receive, the uh, confirmation postcard that the uh, State Board of Elections always sends out after you change your registration. And when that, that postcard is a test. It's a test to see if the address you have submitted is valid. Mm -hmm. And if that postcard is returned marked undeliverable, to the Board of Elections, you will be summarily dropped from the voting rolls. We have no idea how many people that has happened to mm-hmm. in the past couple of years of the lifetime of Vote.GOP, but it's fair to say that that's a significant number of people in North Carolina. We can't speak to whether it mangles the operation for other states mm-hmm. as well, but we know that it was grossly faulty in the case of North Carolina voters. And essentially, if I'm understanding this, uh, when you apply for an absentee ballot in North Carolina, you have to tell them what your uh, current address is, your current mailing address, and what address you would like the absentee ballot mailed to. If you're going to be out of town, uh, for example, uh, and, and need to get the absentee ballot there, what this system was doing was taking that address where the ballot was supposed to be sent and making that the mailing address for the voter, which then down the line could very well result in that voter being purged when North Carolina reaches out, says, hey, are you there? Nobody answers because that, you know, you're, that's a temporary address out of town or something. And then that voter would be purged. Do I understand that correctly? You have it exactly right. So, for instance, my own personal uh registered mailing address Mm -hmm. is my home address. But say I was on vacation in Los Angeles and wanted to uh, get my absentee ballot mailed to my hotel in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. 
Well, that would happen. Uh, the way that, that this software worked, that would happen. I would receive that absentee ballot there. Uh, I would receive the absentee ballot if once I submitted the request form. Mm-hmm. But a couple of weeks later, after I had already checked out of that tell and moved, gone back to home in North Carolina, the postcard, the confirmation postcard, would follow me to a Los Angeles hotel, and I wouldn't be there any longer. So it would be returned undeliverable, and I would be removed from the poll book now, as, without my knowledge. As far as I can tell, and I, I, maybe you feel differently, this seems like a just a huge screw-up more than a dirty trick in that um if if you know you hadn't discovered this basically this would result in a lot of people who signed up for absentee ballots at the vote.gop website so they're presumably republicans it would result in a bunch of republicans being uh purged from the voter rolls eventually is, is, does that make sense irony thy name is gop yes i, I think hanlon's razor applies here uh, never attribute to malice what can be explained by uh, simple incompetence. Uh-huh. It's hard to imagine a, a scenario in which the GOP would decide it was a great idea to disenfranchise people who are attracted to a GOP-branded website. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I believe, I have no evidence, but I believe it was just a massive foobar on the Republican Party's part. Well, uh, well have they thanked you for discovering this foobar, Bill Busa? I mean, you have you have done You're them kidding, a right? no. Well, you have done them a big favor. The least they could do is say thanks for pointing this out. No, nope, nope. Haven't heard from them. Um, wow. I understand there are reporters on the job now, and they haven't heard from the RNC as of uh, this afternoon either. Is that uh, routine still in place? That uh, improperly puts the uh, address into the wrong field, essentially. No, we published our expose at one thirty in the morning uh, this Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometime in the early evening of that same day, about you know, roughly uh, 10 or 12 hours after we had published, the Republican Party appears to have hit the kill switch on their website. The site itself is still up, but it now no longer offers any voter assistance services, such as assistance with voter registration or with applying for absentee ballots. So the implication is they saw that they saw our report, mm-hmm. knew the jig was up, and uh, killed everything to hide as much evidence as possible. And couldn't even say thank you for the help. Now, did that service at vote.gop? Let's presume it worked as it was supposed to. Did it offer anything uh, to voters, Republican voters? I presume uh, that is not already available via the North Carolina State Board of Elections or the County Board of Elections websites. Is there any well, that's reason? One of the- yeah. That's one of the darn things about this is, is there is no value add for a voter to use that site because the North Carolina State Board of Elections website already makes available to voters a downloadable PDF form where they can fill in the blanks in the form themselves and not make the mistake of putting the wrong address in the wrong field. So, uh, no, there was zero value add from that website services to anyone except the GOP, of course, mm-hmm. which was putting itself in the position of being able to harvest an enormous amount of personal information on each of those voters, including their cell phone numbers, including their email addresses, including their date of birth. And uh, some of that information is also, also required on the form, mm-hmm. and yet, conveniently enough, the website failed to add it. For instance, one of the first things the website asks you for is your cell phone number. Mm -hmm. There's also a blank in the form for your your cell phone number. Uh, They collected that data, but they didn't fill in that blank in the (laughs) form. So 
they were more interested in your data than they were in seeing you get an absentee ballot. Which is the second part of this uh, issue that you discovered this uh, apparently extraordinary. And I don't know if it's extraordinary. Is it, is it any worse? The, 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 what you discovered was a whole bunch of tracking uh, scripts, essentially, that were scraping all of this data as it was coming in, as you're visiting the site, as you're filling in uh, information um, that presumably the GOP would use or sell or something. Was it uh, were all of these uh, scripts and all of these uh, tracking uh, software things uh, any worse than we find at any other similar websites? Well, we inspected the JavaScript that was running the website very carefully, mm -hmm. and uh, we found that it was using several what are called ad technologies, such as tracking cookies and web beacons and uh, uh, data scraping software uh, that uh, are not uncommon. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every every commercial company, especially every consumer product company uses these same kinds of technologies and, and takes the data that they find out about what websites you visit, uh, who you share things with on Twitter or Facebook, uh, what you purchase and information like that, and profiles you, psychographic profiling it's called, to figure out are you a Republican voter, are you a Democrat, are you rich, are you poor, are you disgruntled, are you happy? And that enables advertisers to target ads to you that they feel you will find particularly relevant to your situation. So it's all over the web. Mm -hmm. But the interesting catch was combining that software, which profiles you but doesn't really know who you are, with the data that the website itself was collecting from you, your name, your date of birth, mm -hmm. your address, your phone number, would enable extraordinary effective micro-targeting of this case, uh, rather like that which Cambridge Analytica provided to the Trump campaign in 2016, mm. except now the GOP here has taken the reins and is doing that for itself, rather than shelling out millions of dollars to Cambridge Analytica or its, its successors. Mm -hmm. And, and and was that uh, it, it, was that aspect of this uh, uh, website was that uh, unique to the North Carolina to North Carolina voters who were filling out that page, or is that something that if you just go to vote .gop, that sort of information is going to begin to uh, be collected? Yeah, everyone who visits that site ends up getting their their browser peppered with all of that advertising technology that's creating uh, that's collecting information mm -hmm. on you. And not just North Carolinians. And so they took down after your report. They took down the uh, the the screwed up North Carolina absentee ballot application. Did they also remove some of these uh, tracking cookies and so forth? Uh, we haven't looked into that. Um, I don't know. Now I I. I know that uh, you responded to this point in a follow-up article that you posted at uh, Daily Coast last night. You have heard from some progressives who essentially said, hey, this is going to affect Republican voters most likely. They're the ones who will likely be purged or disenfranchised by this scheme. Uh, so, you know, the hell with them. Who cares? And, I, you know, I got to say, I tremendously appreciated your response to that critique. Uh, share it for us here, if you could. Yeah, you know, I've I've been a, a working in voting rights in North Carolina for a long time now, and I have faced these kind of quandaries before. That gee, here's a here's a guy I don't a voter whose votes I don't particularly appreciate, mm -hmm. whose voting rights are being trampled on. Do I defend him or do I not? And I think there's a very simple ethical answer to that question. 
if you don't defend everyone's voting rights, mm-hmm. then you're not a voting rights defender. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and that's a very important lesson that I hope progressives hear. Uh, either you defend everyone's right to vote or you're not a voting rights defender. And I hope, you know, the folks at Daily Coast, who I've frankly, I've caught some flack from over the years on uh, sort of similar issues, Bill. Uh, voting rights are voting rights. You either fight for all or you fight for none. And uh, frankly, fighting for the right of a Republican voter to vote and to have their vote counted as cast will also help Democrats, I believe, to ensure that their votes are similarly counted as cast. I mean, we just live in such a shamefully hyperpartisan world right now. I think that folks tend to sort of miss that forest for their own particular partisan tree sometimes. Exactly. And, and as we tried to point out to readers, you know, turn this into a teachable moment. If you have a crazy uncle or an 80-year-old father who mm-hmm. is likely GOP and may have gone to this site to register or get an absentee ballot, for God's sake, get them to check their voter registration yep. status immediately. And if we find that they've been dropped from the rolls, turn that into a teachable moment. Explain to them that it was the Republicans that did this to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot of teachable moments here. Um, before we get uh, Bill Busa to the uh, quick updates on North Carolina 3 and North Carolina uh, North Carolina 9, the two special U.S. House elections to be held on September 10 with early voting now underway, uh, we spent uh, some time here a few weeks ago on the rather remarkable turn of events in North Carolina at the State Board of Elections, where a majority of the board, a three to two majority, voted for an amendment that would most likely move parts of the state which still use 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems made by ESNS to a new, hopefully hand marked paper ballot system. That amendment passed three to two. But because it's North Carolina, I guess, after passing that amendment, a Republican board member who had voted in favor of it, changed his mind, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps after getting an earful from the thugs at the uh, nation's largest voting vendor, that would be ESNS, and the guy decided he misunderstood the amendment, he wanted to uh, re-vote on it, which would have reversed the results three to two against, but before that re-vote could happen, the Democratic chair of the State Board of Elections, who had originally also voted against the measure, he was forced to step down after he told an off-color joke about a cow and a woman to about 600 North Carolina elections officials at an event. Uh, and so that meant he was out. The vote was once again, well, would then be was then two to two. It was a tie. So the original vote for the amendment stood, but... A final vote must now be held, I think, this week on the matter. And the question is, the the Democratic governor has to appoint a a new person to fill that uh, fifth position. Has Governor Cooper finally made this appointment? And do we have, if so, do we have any idea how he or she may vote as the deciding vote on this very important issue in uh, North Carolina, a swing state once again in 2020? Yeah, you know, never a dull moment here in North Carolina. No, uh, goddamn kidding, Bill. <laughs> All right. Yes, the, the governor has appointed a new chairperson of the State Board of Elections, Damon Sircosta, uh-huh. has previously served on the Board of Elections last year, I believe it was, for a brief period, as an un, unaffiliated voter, as mm-hmm. an independent. 
Uh, I won't go into the details, but Mm -hmm. that board ended up getting dissolved and a new board was appointed and Costa wasn't on it. In the interim, between the time he left the board, the old board, and the time he's just been appointed to the new board, he changed his registration from independent to democratic. Sir Costa had a uh, a record during his short time on the board of voting on the side of goodness, in my opinion. And <laughs> okay. uh, I think he'll I think he'll do a a very competent and heartfelt job of uh, dealing with this issue. So, and he won't tell any misogynistic jokes right? in public meetings. Oh, that's too bad. I kind of enjoyed that joke. Uh, it did, did, I can is, tell it to you. It, oh, no, we told we told it on the show. It was oh, good for you. Yes, for you. Uh, Desi is uh, still grimacing at me about that one. So, um, so Sir Costa, you, you feel confident that he's going to vote the right way in favor of this amendment, which would. Break poor ESNS's heart, but maybe allow uh, to, uh, what is it, about two, two and a half million voters in North Carolina, perhaps next year, to vote on a handmarked paper ballot. I, I would never predict how someone's going to vote. That's why we hold votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that I'm very confident that he will do what he feels is right. Okay. I don't feel much better now, Bill, but thanks. Uh, actually, the the last, um, uh, the, the one who had to step down was the head of the, uh, the, the the chairman or whatever of the State Board of Elections. He was a Democrat. He voted against this thing. So I guess we just have to wait until Friday to see how it breaks down. All right, very quickly, let's hit these, uh, these two elections and where they stand right now. Very important elections for the U.S. House. The only two, I think, uh, vacant seats in the U.S. House, thanks to North Carolina. Uh, the first is uh, in the 3rd Congressional District. That's to fill the long-held seat by the iconoclastic Republican uh, Walter Jones. Is actually uh, was a uh, 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 very conservative Republican, but one who frequently crossed his party in recent years. He passed away earlier this year. Uh, this remains a very red district, as I understand it, according to the uh, predictions I've seen out there. Greg Murphy is a Republican member of the North Carolina House of Representatives. He's running against the Democrat Alan Thompson, a businessman, former mayor of Greenville. What uh, What is expected in that race, Bill Busa? It's Alan Thomas, by the way. What did I say? Thompson. Oh, Thompson. All right. Sorry about that. Yep. Um, yeah, there hasn't been a lot of outside spending and there hasn't been a lot of excitement in the race because I, I, I think that most parties involved assume that the uh, outcome's for a foregone conclusion here. Um, so it is, as you pointed out, a very, a very red district. Mm-hmm. And Thomas has been doing a, a good job of attempting to address people's real concerns in life with health care, with uh, coastal and, and other uh, ecological issues, because mm-hmm. it's a coastal district, almost all of coastal North Carolina, right. with farmers' issues and with uh, the, the things that really appeal to people. The open question is how many of the voters in that district can hear those kinds of messages mm-hmm. anymore. So uh, if things go as expected, very Republican district, Greg Murphy will probably be the uh the next uh representative there um but it's early still it's september uh 10 is the election and early voting starts now also i note bill that uh, there is a libertarian candidate tim harris and a constitutional party greg holt in that race as well uh that's both on the right i believe might that affect uh murphy's chances of winning the uh republican majority in that district 
I think it's unlikely. Both of those are such minor parties mm-hmm. in North Carolina that they, they never pull very many votes at all. And uh, Murphy probably has a commanding enough lead that, that that'll amount to a rounding error. Then there is the North Carolina 9th Congressional race. Uh, much more focus on that. Uh, that's the do-over election after the Republican absentee ballot fraud scandal that upended the race. Uh, last November led to the state refusing to certify the results that showed Republican Mark Harris defeated Dan McCready in a very narrow race by a few hundred votes, as I recall, easily small enough margin that it could have been affected by the incredible absentee ballot fraud scheme that was pulled off by a Republican contractor hired by uh, uh, Harris, the Republican candidate, he knew that he was a fraudster when he hired him, as became clear when his own son, an attorney and U.S. prosecutor, actually testified against dad on the witness stand <laughs> uh, in a remarkable hearing before the North Carolina State Board of Elections earlier this year. So uh, instead of awarding the race to the Democrat after all of that fraud, they just decided to call a new election. That's what is now underway in the 9th District. Dan Bishop is the Republican nominee. He's a state senator, uh, author of the controversial trans bathroom bill in North Carolina, if I recall. Uh, running against the Democrat, the same Democrat running again, Dan McCready, a, a former uh, Marine, a businessman, and uh, basically the nominee who got robbed last November thanks to that absentee ballot election fraud scandal. So where does that race sit at this hour, Bill Busa? This is an exciting race. This, this is a race that literally could be won and lost by a single vote. You know, special elections always have low turnout. Mm-hmm. Special elections pretty much only attract the base of each of the two parties. The people who aren't base voters tend not to show up for special elections because they're not political wonks. Mm-hmm. They're not paying attention. But, uh, you know, as you pointed out, uh, Pastor Harris won or thought he won mm-hmm. by just 905 votes. Yep. And that's while massive election fraud was going on. Right. So if, if you don't have massive election fraud, it's reasonable to assume that this would be a toss-up at least and possibly a, a, a clear Democratic victory. I think it's in the toss-up category. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be won by one of the two candidates by a handful of votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, millions and millions of dollars are being spent by both outside organizations and the two campaigns themselves. There's a lot of coverage in the news about this race, mm-hmm. unlike NCS3. We will see what we will see. In the next two days, we'll have enough early voting data for us to be at EQV to be able to predict whether this is going to be a strong turnout or a weak turnout election. But this is a very exciting election. And, and importantly, not only is the Republican candidate Dan Bishop the author of the notorious bathroom bill, which is estimated to have cost North Carolina a billion dollars mm. in boycotted business while it was in effect and before it was revoked. But also, Dan Bishop was, by his own admission, an early investor in the website Gab, which is the website that uh, alt-right favors for announcing the the synagogues and churches that they're going to go kill people in. Dan has to live all that down. It's really a very clear distinction for anyone who isn't blinded by GOP ideology that this is a race between wrong and right, not a race between... Right and, right and left. 
You know, uh, he yeah, that's essentially Gab is is essentially Nazi Twitter. That might be a nice yeah. way to put it. And uh, the fact that this guy Dan Bishop invested in it as a Republican, but. You know, earlier uh, polling appeared to show a toss-up race, uh, despite the you know the the fact that uh, the Democrat here, McCready, appears to be out raising the Republican bishop by it looks like more than two to one. But I'm seeing the newer predictions I'm seeing suggest the race is now leaning Republican, uh, which raises the question: if that is correct, I mean, is there no price to be paid among voters in uh, NZ9 for the Republicans? clear blatant attempt i mean there are people who have been indicted for this now uh you know their attempt to steal the november election last year will they pay no price at the ballot box the answer comes down to independent voters you know the republican base i'm sure is more than delighted to see their their candidates trying to steal elections they they feel that's god's will uh <laughs> and they're tied pretty evenly with the Democratic base in terms of numbers in, mm-hmm. in NCO9. It's the independents, the mm-hmm. soccer moms, the, the suburban family members, college-educated but somewhat uh, somewhat conservative, mm-hmm. who are going to decide this election by turning out or not turning out. Because I believe, I personally believe, that many of those suburban college-educated independents are sick of the indecency and sick of the hate and sick of the insanity. If they show up and vote, McCready will win the landslide. If they don't, it's possible that uh, Bishop could win. Sounds like we got a real live contest here. We will be watching this one over the next few weeks. And, of course, turning to Bill Busa over at EQVanalytics.com for help in understanding it as it's moving forward. You can and should follow his work there as well as uh, at DailyCoast.com where you can find him as DocDog and on the Twitters at Analytics EQV. Dr. Bill Busa, always great speaking with you, my friend, and I suspect we'll be doing it again soon. Fun talking to you, Brad. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Okay, we got to get out running late, as usual. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program or want to share it with anyone you know, you can download all of the broadcasts going back years and years and years for free at bradblog.com. That is thanks to those of you who support our work by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. See you there until we see you tomorrow on the next thrilling edition of the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.